like at first I thought maybe he's eating something. You know, sometimes when you're eating them off, you're kind of like this, and I'm like, and then you kept going. I'm like, no, no, I don't think he is. Uh, I, I have no idea. Then We're, you know what? I'm just gonna go with it, and uh, maybe I can up the pitch in post. <laughs> oh my! I have no clue. Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> I mean, the Yeti doesn't have pitch correction. No, it, it did. It should, it should not correct. <laughs> Are you just going to laugh the entire time? It's going to be hard not to. Because <laughs> I keep it, yeah. you. Dude, can't get enough of your love, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be laughing. And the crazy thing is... I can't even hear it. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that's back from holiday break. I'm your host, Rob. Devin. Dennis. And Richard. And yeah, we are back. It's 2021. 2020, the year of hell is finally over, sort of. Or is it continuing? Because, ugh. Um... (laughs) This episode December is was coming. a lot longer than we thought. <laughs> it, it is it is it December over yet? Because it doesn't feel like it. But first off, I want to say thanks to all our listeners for being very understanding that this episode is out a week or so late because of events in my family uh, related to COVID. Yeah, we I got the news on our normal recording day, like at three thirty in the morning, yeah. and that pretty much emotionally took <laughs> me out for the whole day. So I Absolutely. appreciate. I appreciate all the listeners who said basically, no, the the episodes will come when the episodes will come. We appreciate it and uh you know, get it out when you can. And so I yeah, that that means a lot to me cuz this you guys are the reason we do the show and having that that feedback that yeah, we we will wait is is means it did mean a lot and it does mean a lot. And uh we're still not untouched by covid uh one of the the owner of one of the game stores we've partnered with with midwest conquest in the past uh, pat roberts has been diagnosed with covid and is currently fighting that off hopefully uh it will be a quick recovery but you know we've got him in our in our thoughts and we've been talking with him and uh you know letting him know that we just hope that he gets he gets well soon so yeah this the the plague is not over don't act like it is unless you're in like uh, New Zealand or Australia. They survived the 40k exterminatus, and now things are relatively back to normal there, from what I understand. Fun fun fact, uh, Maricopa County, where I live, has the highest rate of COVID infections in the world right now. Yay! Fun times! Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, everybody, stay healthy. Wear your mask. Uh, don't spend large amounts of time outside of home if you can avoid it and i know that puts a crimp in a lot of plans like the i know the uk is on like hard lockdown now aren't they uh yeah yeah i think through the end of january and and we'll cover it i'm sure in the news but 
there's between the lockdown and the EU, you know, Brexit and stuff like that, like there's changes to the upcoming release schedule and like they're they're going into a lot of basically the things that we went into in March, um, you know, trying to put trying to curtail this because there's a new strain of COVID that's hitting the UK. So they're they're trying to avoid having, you know, having another another spread like we had. Right. <sighs> so, yeah, times are not are not great. And we'll be talking about that more because our main topic today is the year that was 2020 and our look ahead at 2021. Uh, but first, yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, we're not going to get too much into current affairs, but it's been quite a week here in the United States. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's it. January has been a bit extra. It could back off now. But uh, anyway, anyway, we're going to we're going to try to stay focused on 40K now. Yep. So um, so, yeah, first up news, uh, news, new releases. Uh, not much has been released other than we got a new orc model. Yes. Yeah. I went ahead and pre-ordered that. Yeah, he's it, it's he's spiffy he's looking. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and he's basically like a rebuild of like an old orc model, isn't he? Yeah. Mm hmm. That it, it's. Well, it, he's mainly based on I forget which cover that was. It it was a, a cover to a, a book, a, an illustration. For yeah, it was orc. like the second edition orc codex, I think. I, I remember that it was one of those like either either one of the classic orc codexes or it was um uh one of the like supplement books like in the early days of 40k. No, based on the cover of Gorka Morka. Uh, oh, that's, right. that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, like, basically a, cool a knob and like an emerald. Yeah, he's yeah he's. I mean, class classic orc design, but you know, brought into modern, you know, sculpting and production technology. So, yeah, no, he looks pretty slick. Um, let's see. We got uh, continued updates to the uh, Battleforge app, uh, the Warhammer 40k app, Battleforge army creation capability. Uh, there were some bumpy spots in the road where, like, adding models to units didn't work terribly well, or, you know, there were certain rules or units missing, but it seems like they've got a lot of that ironed out, and in fact, they just sent out an update yesterday with the points update that they released recently, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But uh, they are actually keeping it updated, and so far, I think... They've got a, you know, it's, it's pretty close. And in fact, I saw, I think it was on the Flying Monkeys podcast posted that this was a first, their Battle Scribe update failed, but the 40K app worked fine. Oh my. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, but still, it's nice to have a variety of tools to use. And I think, uh, Best Coast Pairings has updated their app to be able to parse and validate. Uh, the 40k app output. So now you can up to upload your list using that. So that's that's cool. So that is all all built in and included now. Let's see what else. Uh, we got a little bit more of a tease on Death Guard. They are rolling the plague companies that were in Psychic Awakening into the Codex. So that is confirmed and nice to see. Uh, like that, that was the only thing they really announced. They more just kind of like, oh yeah, here's a reminder. Here are the other rules that are coming back, like the change, disgustingly resilient, the contagions of Nurgle, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, on Christmas, we got an announcement of 
Well, first they kind of teased. Yeah, remember when we showed off this uh, Sisters of Battle Palantine character model? Uh, it's going to be available in a new box set, which is Sisters Against Drukhari, and it features one other character model that's been redone in plastic. We're getting a new Lelith Hesperax. I mean, I'm happy about that, but I didn't think her old model was bad. It wasn't bad, but it was also fine cast. That was the yeah. That was the big problem. Oh, okay. I guess I'm old. Mine was metal, so I didn't yeah. realize that. <laughs> yeah, this is the first time she's been available in plastic. And she's got a very nice dynamic leaping off of a piece of uh, Eldar scenery over the dead body of a uh, Eldar Guardian. I'm of mixed thoughts about the contents of the box set itself, though. And I believe you are as well, Dennis. Yeah, when I saw this, I kind of priced out what it would be in my head, and it was like over $300, and then I'm like, okay, so their normal box, that's probably around $280, I'll hope for $240. Well, no, like this, probably $180. Oh, if this is one, oh, I might definitely pick up, because, I mean, technically, the the Drukhari side pads out my stuff. I don't need more witches, but another 10 would be fine. I don't need another Venom, but that would be okay. I don't need the scourges, but oh, sure. And I've got a beautifully painted Lilith from Richard, so I don't really need a Lilith. But I was like, on the whole, I'm, I'm all that's just okay. Other than I, I do realize when the um, the last Drukhari and Eldari box set came out, um, I did not pick that up. And then at one point, I'm like, if I want to pad out my things, man, that would have been a great deal, even though it would have been. <laughs> An expensive upfront purchase, but then I would have had, like, not have to wait for Janezar and Drezar. I could have just had them right then. Right. But for me, since I don't play Sisters and I've always been kind of interested, um, that side of the box actually caught my eye. And I'm like, oh, wow, these are the heavy, like, the all the flamers, all that, and you got a cool-looking HQ. That could be a good, like starting point for like starting out 500 patrol and moving up from there but i know rob you said it makes no sense i well i okay so like as far it's an emulator a unit of retributors and the new palantine um palantine i imagine is going to be basically the equivalent of a lieutenant so it'll probably give you the uh reroll ones to wound aura which for retributors is actually really slick because most of your weapons are going to wound uh drukhari on like twos or threes so it'll be very useful in you know, like in this context and it's six infantry models uh emulator holds six because it's basically like a razorback um so it functionally makes sense it just seems a very odd combination to have six infantry models and a tank versus a whole bunch of infantry models and a skimmer like it it's well and, i mean it does give you two very different feels but it seems an odd matchup if it was a real matchup, the sisters would mop the floor with them, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, and also the fact that the, the Venom can't actually carry the entire unit of witches. Also true. So they so. will be on the ground to get flamed. And unless they change their dodge, their dodge only works in close combat, which means, oh, you'll just take the fire and Overwatch you can still do with fire. And so, yeah, it's it's a one-sided battle. Oh, yeah. So the thing I'll say with this, I I kind of wish instead of the retributors, it was a unit of sisters. I think it would have it would have felt like you're getting more models 
and like a little more bang for your buck. And it would have actually made this a more even matchup because like then like a unit of 10 sisters, a Palantine and an emulator against the uh, dark Eldar, like is actually a fairer matchup. Yeah. I, I the only agree. thing. And, and like you have the, um, the 10 sculpted sisters from the, uh, uh, from their launch box that you could have put into this and been like, here you go. Like, you know, push fit. Don't have to, um, you know, assemble or anything like here's, here's these models. And it's a way to get them back out. So what makes me wonder? Well, what makes me wonder is if the if they're also going to come out with a uh, patrol box for sisters soon, and like this will be a supplement kind of to that. That's the only thing it kind of makes sense from the sister side of what what they're included here. If they're also putting out a a a box that includes like a canonist, a unit of uh, sisters, and then like you know seraphim or something, and this is kind of meant to pair with it, but. Didn't didn't we figure that the contents of the sisters army box actually would have made a decent combat patrol box? Yeah, it's like right on it's right on the num right on the money if you take out I think like one unit. I think you take the I think we decided you take the penitent engines out and it's like basically it the was right either out. that or the flagellants, one of the two. That yeah, something like that. But I, I will say going back to the contents of this one, from just an outsider who watches sisters more than plays. The flames are what you think. You think of the the seraphim that have the winged jump packs, and you think of flamers. Yep. So that's why I think they, they put the things that catch people's eye on the sister side. And I think on the Drukari side, they put, well, they wanted to ha- highlight their new Lilith model, so she really needs witches to go with her, so let's put them in there. That's true. That's true. It would be odd for her leading a unit of Cabalite warriors or you know something. Right. This is this is thematically appropriate for her. Uh, so, a lot of this is going to come down to how. Like, I'm assuming this is going to be released around the same time as the Drukari Codex, and it will depend on how her rules and the rules for witches and such change up to figure out how good this site is. Yeah, because I mean, in, in, as we talked about in the little fight, the scourges would and maybe the venom. But probably the Scourges have to take out the tank, and then Lilith and her crew just have to survive the Wall of Flame. If they get into close combat, they, they have the advantage, but I, surviving a Wall of Flame with their non-existent saves is going to be, in my mind, hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I will say from a model perspective, I really like the models that they've included in this. Um, yes. I've always liked the Dark Eldar models, and like I do think that you're onto something with it being very like visually striking with the Immolator, which is a beautiful kit. Uh, conversation my, about the stained glass window I, aside, <laughs> it's yeah, still I have, beautiful. I have it's still a beautiful kit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. It's but like it's definitely cut, this, like yeah, <laughs> yeah. The stained glass window is one of those things where it looks really neat when it's like when it's painted up and everything. I hate it from a functional standpoint. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. That, but that that is that is yeah. purely personal preference. But like it is, you know, discussions of the stained glass window aside, it is still a very gorgeous looking model. Like you take it off and it still looks great. The new sisters models are dynamic and they've got like great weapons that are very thematic. The armor cherubs and stuff look great. The new Palantine's a cool model. And then the Dark Eldar revamp that they did. I think a decade ago at this point. Ugh. Um, <laughs> the models I mean, are still are fantastic. Models. No, I mean, but like, but they're still fantastic. Like that was oh, the know. first time that like re- you could really see like the modern like CAD design and the new plastics coming into these models, and like they all look really great. Like scourges, even though I don't think I've ever seen them on a table, are awesome looking models. So yeah, I, yeah. 
So two things. So they, I, I will hope, like you said, in the Codex, Scourges actually are better than they had been in the past. They were more of a throwaway unit before. Mm-hmm. Um, the other flip side is I think it's nice and a tribute to GW that we gushed over how good the models were 10 plus years ago and we're doing the same thing now. For sure. So they, they've stood the, t- uh, the stand or the something. The test time. of time. Test of time. Thank you. There we go. Words. <laughs> Hard. Uh. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a, from an aesthetic perspective, it's a really cool, uh, box set. And depending on the price, like that's, you know, it will, will, det- will determine whether it's a, a good deal or a fantastic deal. Yeah. I, yeah, my guess is 180 to $200 for this. That would be consistent with their past. And Dennis, if you decide you don't want the sisters half, I would be willing to split a box with you. Just I'll figure out the shipping or something. And uh, well, no, no, I said if I pick up this box, it'll mean like dipping my toe into starting sisters. Yeah, see this, <laughs> I, I would not buy this box by myself because I do not want the Drukari half. I'd have to find somebody to split it with. But I would right. really like the new Palatine, and I don't want to wait like six months. And have to pay, you know, six months to pay thirty bucks for her by herself. So, so Kevin, I, mean, I hear you need a new army. How, how does Drukari? No, don't. Let's <laughs> not do that know. to him. No, let's <laughs> uh, not put I that will, evil on him, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I will say this though: it actually would be, I think, super easy to convert up a Palantine because it's literally just a a, a fancy sister bod- uh, body with like a plasma pistol. Like, I think you would be. I think you could easily kit bash that. Yeah. But still, like, I kind of like, I, I dig the look. Oh, yeah, no, I the like action. the model. Yeah, yeah, I do too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, hard decisions will have to be made. I'm sure I can find somebody who wants the Drukari <laughs> half. Um, let's see. And, like, on the Age of Sigmar side, they're releasing a whole bunch of Slanesh themed mortal and Beastman models, and those look pretty baller. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to curious if any of those will come over to 40k because in the past all Slanesh models have been both sides or both games. Well, so these aren't demons of Slanesh; these are the the right. Slaneshi mortals. So I don't think these will. Okay. That said, the um, uh, what are they called? The the Blizzbarb archers <laughs> uh, on foot would make like really awesome uh, cultist models for a Slanesh army. Because yeah. they're basically just humans wearing like slaneshi themed armor. You do a you do a few like uh, weapon swaps, and they would look like amazing cultists. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the storyline uh, in uh, Age of Sigmar is that slanesh the slanesh is waking back up and has been freed. So uh, mm-hmm. I- interesting things are about. But uh, let's see. But yeah, speaking of models, they had their miniature of the year vote and. Uh, so th- some runners up included Ragnar Blackmane, the new Primaris version, uh, Archmage Teclas, the Silent King, and the Mega Gargant. But the top three, number th- uh, third place was the Triumph of Saint Catherine, which is a- an impressive model and one I'm terrified of ever actually bu- buying and building. <laughs> It is it is very extra. <laughs> it is extremely extra. Yeah. That entire sister's line is very extra, and this is, like, the most extra. Uh, second place is the Shard of the Void Dragon. Which, which is a gorgeous is all, model. Yeah, it is an yep. amazing model. But we weren't looking for gorgeous or extra, necessarily, <laughs> for first place. Instead, er, first place was Makari. 
<laughs> and I suppose Gasgol too. <laughs> and maybe Gasgol, yeah. Which yeah. I as Gasgol, I'm going to say this though, Gasgol, the design they have on him is not, is not extra. It's not overblown. Mm. It is exactly what you would expect. Yep. It yeah. is exactly like it's just raw power but with the you know just an an expansion of the existing details they had on like older Gasgol models. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. The <laughs> biggest and the best. Indeed. <laughs> right. Well, and it's kind of funny because I believe when they announced the, the you know, voting for the for the model of the year, I think in our chat, I pinged us that it's either Gazgol or the Void Dragon, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You so, know, like, <laughs> because those models, like, of everything else, like, there were other great models, like the Triumph of St. Catherine and the Silent King are great models, but, like, the Void Dragon and Gazgol are, A, classic 40k models so you know getting redone and and parts of the lore that have like this huge connection but they're also just both great looking models so i yeah yeah gasgul definitely deserves it oh absolutely uh let's see they did their own year in review i think we'll talk about their year in review when we talk about our year in review uh but speaking of reviewing they have actually reviewed how the game is balanced right now and we got a new set of faqs and i will say like uh, i just in the last couple of days i like the idea of doing it this way where you release assuming they're going to keep it on like the six month cycle where you release like the begin the FAQs at the beginning of the year and then you release FAQs in the middle of the year and it just feels better than like the nebulous kind of March April and then whenever we decided to in the summer model they were on before so like this kind of lines up a little bit closer with you know a typical ITC te- uh, season which would end at the LVO um, you, you get it out at the beginning of the year, so you have a little bit of time to adjust for that event, and then you do it in the summer when people are out playing again. Like it, this feels like it's a better like cycle uh, time wise uh, for mm-hmm. releasing FAQs and updates. Although there, it's also they're kind of freed right now from the event cycle because nobody can hold mm-hmm. major events, at least you know in the United States and Europe right now. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so we'll get to the points, uh, in a bit, but, uh, every army or almost every army got FAQ'd and, uh, there were a couple of big changes, especially to objective scoring in matched play missions. Uh, one big change was that, uh, first turn now always goes to the player who roll wins the roll off. Uh, the change was that player can no longer choose first or second, And that means that when you're deploying, you have to deploy as though you might not go first. You have to deploy because and you can't like I'm going to deploy as though I'm going to go second and then force your opponent to go first and have them fall into your plan. You have to be able to you have to be flexible. Yeah. Which is better game design. Yeah. Uh, and then primary objective scoring changed for the last round of the game, specifically for the player who goes second. Uh, this is important because basically with all the scoring happening at the end of the command phase, the last turn for the person who went second did not matter. And it, it, it literally didn't for the primary objective. Like whatever objectives you were holding at that point that's what you get. You had no opportunity to move into a better position, try to push your opponent off of something at the last minute. It kind of discouraged you from playing the last turn of the game. 
And yeah. that's that's not good design. So what they've instead done is on the last turn of the game, the player who goes second scores at the end of their turn rather than the end of the command phase. And I do think that is that is better because that was always one of those things. And it's an issue that's been brought up before and a lot of uh, independent tournament packets had to address it. They're like, oh yeah, at the end of the game, the second player does their scoring because they don't get like a beginning of the next turn or something. Right. No, and I, I like it because it's it's kind of a way to counterbalance going first. Because that's always been a problem. Like if you go first, I, I think I was reading on Goonhammer that like the win rate if you go first is like fifty eight percent. Which yeah, that means it's a pretty huge advantage. So this allowing the player that goes second to be able to score at the end of their turn basically makes up for that first turn where, you know, on top of turn one, player one gets to move and do things unimpeded. Bottom of round five, player two gets to do things kind of unimpeded and and jockey for position. So I, I like that. I think it's uh, – I don't know that it will make up for the win rate. Like I think going first is still hugely important and valuable, but um, I think this will help balance it out better. I think so. I think it will actually help out a bit. Um, they've also tweaked the uh, the points values on some secondary objectives to make them not as much of an uh, auto take, uh, or is not, or especially to not discourage other armies. So, for example, bring it down, which is built around uh, destroying monsters and vehicles. Uh, dropped in victory points so that people might be encouraged to take those more rather than like, well, I don't want to give my opponent an easy objective. Uh, Abhor the Witch dropped a bit so that people playing Grey Knights and Thousand Suns was, they were too easy to score against because, again, it was, and we had talked about that in our review. It's like if you're playing against Grey Knights or Thousand Suns and you don't have Psychers, it's an auto take. Now, it's still Mm -hmm. probably a pretty good choice, but it's not going to put you at that huge an advantage against those armies so uh, i'm glad to see that they are they are constantly adjusting this format based on what feedback they're getting from what events can be held and uh so again they gw is showing that they are really actively trying to make this as balanced a game as they can uh, and that's also why we saw points updates. Uh, there are a lot of points updates. We, I haven't had an opportunity to go through all of them. There are a couple that they did highlight, such as uh, Space Marine, Outriders, and Eradicators going up in price. Also, I believe Inceptors went up in price because those options were proving to just be way more powerful than their original point value uh, covered. Uh, also, the the shard of the Nightbringer, which we talked about in our review, is a damn near auto take because of just how deadly that thing is. Has gone up in points I mean, to make at twenty at plus twenty points. He's still an auto take. Uh, yeah, like, but it's but it becomes but it's, a little yeah. bit more of an opportunity cost. Like, you, what are you, yeah. what other things are you having to cut to get twenty points off? Yeah. Um, uh, whereas the the Canoptic Reanimator, which we said. Weird concept and way overpriced for what you got is dropped, I think, 30 points from like 110 to 80. Yeah, it, it dropped a lot. So there's your, hey, there's your, there's your points for the Nightbringer. Um, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I don't think Although, you were why taking, you'd be taking both. And, yeah. yeah, it's like, why are you taking both <laughs> in the same list? But 
uh, have weird but, concepts. Uh, <laughs> we we did look at uh, some other points values, and uh, I have some concerns, especially regarding Tau. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, so Tau are, and I'm doing this comparison against the Munitorium Field Manual because we haven't had a second one, and I don't think I think this is the first mass points update they've done, not counting codexes that have been released recently. But, uh, wow, um, if, if you weren't sure that they didn't know what to do with Tau before, I think this just cements it in this edition. Yeah. A lot of things went, uh, went up in cost for no clear reason. Now, a few things did drop, like crisis suits are a bit cheaper, and that's good. But, yeah. uh, like, the big one that a lot of uh, Tau player noticed was that tactical drones, and when I say tactical drones, I mean, if you buy a unit of drones by themselves, it's just drones, these are not add-ons, tactical drones used to be based on the cost of the individual drones, like, whatever kind of dro- like, drone you bought. So, like, gun drones were 10 points apiece, uh... Shield drones were 15, marker drones were 10. So you basically like, I'm going to buy a unit of eight shield drones. It's the cost of eight shield drones, you know, whether you would buy them for as add-ons for a unit or by themselves. Now, tactical drones, unit of them, are 20 points apiece, regardless of type of drone. However, there's still a separate list of entries for individual drones, which I'm assuming are for unit add-ons. And in those cases, a gun drone is still 10, a marker drone is still 10, and a shield drone is still 15. So if you're buying two of two shield drones to add onto a unit, that's still 30 points. If you're buying a unit of four shield drones by themselves, that's 80 points. That's a this is a large change. And it, it you know, it, it adds up because that if you know mostly groups people are buying groups of shield drones. Those are five points a model more, and I understand it's because Savior Protocols is so good, but man, that is a, a kick in, a, in the teeth to a faction that is already suffering in this edition. Yeah, like, that's... There, there were other ways to fix the problems with drones. Jacking the prices up to obnoxious levels was probably the worst way to fix it. Like, Agreed. I it's just... I don't understand. Like, that's... But I just don't that's, understand. <laughs> that's always been their initial reaction to how to fix something is is repoint it first before they try and come up with a rules solution. And you can look at like repointing things like storm shields. I know it might not be the best example, but a storm shield on a like a troop, a unit is a lot cheaper than a storm shield on a character because of how it's used. Sure. No, and I, and I get that. And like I get point differential and like having different points for different drones. Heck, like, an, uh, off the top of my head, a way to fix this, quote-unquote, partially at least, take Savior Protocols off everything except Shield Drones. Yeah. There you, no, I would now totally you've solved the problem. But, like, pricing sh- pricing a gun drone the same as an Intercessor <laughs> is is just stupid. Like, that's completely stupid. And, <laughs> it's yeah, I it's frustrating because they just... They don't know what they're doing with the Tau army, and they don't have a... It's clear that they don't have a plan. Maybe they'll fix it all when they get the new Codex, but man, I just... I don't... I don't want to play the army right now, because I don't know what to do, because there's nothing that's 
fun to play or good in it right now. And that's really frustrating. Okay, so I will say this. Uh, <laughs> Devilfish, uh, when, you, when you consider that the new costs are being done in the format that they are in the codexes, where the only options that cost additional points are the ones that are like listed everything else is considered just a free upgrade or free you know side grade mm-hmm. um the devilfish which y- you used to have to pay for the burst cannon on the front of it and the drones um the devilfish used to be 75 plus 8 for the burst cannon so 83 base it's now 70 okay so, that's good so that's good i mean that that is the significant change crisis suits are 5 points cheaper per model uh, i don't think their weapons changed much in cost so i think they're about the same uh but like stealth suits went from 18 okay okay i see what it stealth suits went from 18 to 26 but they don't pay for their burst cannon so it's the same yeah but christ suits had do have to pay for all their weapons so they actually did get cheaper um uh but like the the storm surge is now like 335 points base and i'm trying to figure out how that works out with with its war gear if they've uh well i guess the, i guess like they work par with a knight and wraith knight cuz they're around 300 uh, right just above 300 yeah. yeah, but a storm surge is definitely not on par with a wraith knight or a knight. <laughs> like, I think part of it is the like the cluster rocket system. You no longer pay for that, so it's worked into the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like the burst cannons or flamers or such that it can take, you do pay a little bit. Of, like you pay three points more for. So okay, so they basically worked the cost of the flamers and the cluster rockets and everything into the cost of the storm surge. So I don't, I'd have to work out the math to figure out if it actually did go up or not. So it's a little hard at first glance to quite do an apples to apples comparison, but like the, de- the devil fish, the Christ suits, they definitely dropped because of how they're being priced out. Um, broadsides. Uh, let's see broadsides had like the cost of the rail gun and plasma rifle worked the rail rifle and plasma guns worked into them so they used to be 45 plus 10 plus so 55 plus let's see plasma rifles were eight each so they used to be about they they've gone up a little bit base it looks like so it's just they're just some odd choices here uh, and yeah, I need to go through, and I'm sure uh, Goonhammer's probably done a pretty solid analysis on this. But yeah, this just hit a couple of days ago, so yeah. Uh, and I, I've po- admittedly been somewhat distracted over the last couple of days. So right, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, the point changes for Tau are curious at at best. Um, there were point changes for other things as well. Um, that I think were were a little more reasonable, <laughs> like it, like um, ex, not execution. The multi gun space marines. What are they called? Eradicators. Um, eradicators. Thank you. Them going up in point costs makes sense because they were they were cheap. They were too cheap. I see. What was some of the other? What were some of the other big point changes? Uh, Raptors for chaos space marines went down in points. Which actually makes them like legitimately really good option right now, because they, uh, with their base load loadout, like their chainsword got better, and 
you know, fast moving jump troops that can deep strike are really good. Um, of course, expect whenever they get their new codex to go back up in cost as they get an extra wound, but probably, yeah. But like fifteen points, fifteen points per model for a, a jump, a, you know, a jump troop uh, with a chain sword and a bolt pistol is really good. Yeah, like a lot of it, it just seems like they they went through and combined costs on on things. So like the Helldrake and the Mauler fiends, like their base cost went up, but their they don't have the separate like uh, you know you don't have to pay for the separate weapons, so the cost is the same. Right. I like it because that now like the costs are the costs are built in and it's just one number, but yeah, it's I think it's just kind of bookkeeping update on a lot of things. Cuz there's there's actually uh they posted an FAQ and then they posted uh a specific like faction specific points update discussion. <laughs> yeah, Tau Empire. Oh god, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's some real bad shit here. Stop, stop. Yeah. He's already dead. <laughs> stop. He's already dead. <laughs> also, I would just like to remark that we live in a weird world when that is credited to Disney. Uh, that uh, it, well, Welcome to media media consolidation. Anyway, one thing that was kind of interesting that they pointed out was that like the Death Guard models didn't really change in price um which means that they're probably you know they're going to gain the extra wound when their new codex comes out but they're going to lose disgustingly resilient which means that they kind of effectively will cancel out on on costs so so yeah i don't know i I think that it's really just these points updates really just are kind of tweaking and and uh consolidating the format which i kind of like rather than like making drastic changes because honestly i don't think enough people have been playing enough games competitively to really get a lot of feedback to be able to go in and make massive 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 changes to uh to points and things like that yeah so yeah check out gunahammer we'll put a link in the show notes to the uh their full breakdown but yeah it looks like a lot of the changes are just you know rolling war gear into unit costs like you know they mentioned like soratas had relatively few changes other than like repentia getting a point more expensive each uh mm. retributors going up a couple of points uh Zeraphim got cheaper simulacrums are are free for all unit uh yeah just stuff like that uh custodes weapons and war gear not listed in any units entry cost cost no additional points so uh, Guardian Spears are now free for a bunch of units. Nice. Vexilla Standards are apparently free now. So yeah, Custodes actually dropped... Okay, so C- Custodes did not not change. It's just that a lot of their costs went... Extra costs went away. So that's, that's actually good. Any, really good for them, yeah. Yeah, any place that you can shave points off a Custodes list means you're able to get a few more bodies. So that's that's big. So yeah, so definitely go check out the Goonhammer breakdown on everything uh, related to that. But uh, yeah, uh, so some some winners, some losers, and Tau is still the bottom of the pack. And hopefully we'll get a sense of when they get a new codex of what the design philosophy is going to be for this army that has not weathered the update to the new edition well. Yeah. And I think that is a good point to transition over to uh, your listener mail. So uh, these letters are written by you, the listener. And if you want to hear your message or letter or list read on the air, we'll tell you how 
at the end of the segment. Uh, so we've got two today. Uh, first is from Adam Hill. And Adam sent us a, a model conversion. So this is radio, so you're going to have to picture this in your mind. <laughs> I will do my best to describe it. So he says, Adam, Adam writes, so I'm working on a fetid blight drone flesh mower conversion. I just wanted to see if this is a good conversion in your opinion. Thank you for your help. And so this is what he's put together. And I, I had to kind of piece together from looking at different models and things I've worked on in the past. And I think I know all the pieces that have gone into this. So we start off with a set of Onager Dunewalker legs. And mm -hmm. those build up into the body from a Myphitic Blight Hauler, which then has been tricked out with, uh, looks like Death Dread arms, Richard? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's those the, are. yeah, the buzzsaw, the big clampy claw, uh, the drill, and there's another one that's like kind of aimed right at the camera, looks like another buzzsaw. It, it, yeah. It's another buzzsaw. Yeah. And so it's a really clever conversion. It's a really neat way mm -hmm. to to have this thing mounting a whole bunch of melee weapons that would just chew up infantry. So as thematically as a flesh mower, I really like what he's done. Yep. This is also an illegal model. <laughs> and the reason it's an yeah. illegal model is because of the Onager legs. Because the Onager is on a 130 mil base. And these legs definitely are fitting within the base. So this is this is on a 130 millimeter base. A fetid blight drone is on a 60 mil base. Yeah. That's a slight difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I was actually looking at it and like it is a clever conversion, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, it seems really like slight comparatively. Like for some reason, like it doesn't feel like it has like the the girth i guess of a of a you know a, blo a bloat drone and i Are guess we you're right going like, to talk about the girthiness of this it's and i'm gonna say i i it's <laughs> now that you mentioned it like it's because it's on it's on a bigger base like it you know it, that's what makes it look kind of smaller because like i was picturing this on like the 60 mil base that they're currently on and i'm like it seems really slight comparatively and yeah i, I think you're right i think it's because it's on way too big of a base and it it's going to have it's going to gain, you know, advantage off of that. Um otherwise, I do like the conversion. Like it looks cool, but yeah, I I I agree that the legs the legs being on, you know, being so big make it obviously make it have to go on a bigger base, but also kind of like throw the proportions off a little bit, which yeah. Like I said, I like it thematically, but considering that the like like I said these are these are straight up onager legs and onager legs they, they've taken off like the little skids that go under the onager legs which would go like right up to the edge of the base just about because i've built an onager before uh for mm -hmm. one of our raffle armies uh, a year or two past and or i guess it has to be more than a year past because we didn't do one last year uh, right <laughs> but anyway um yeah they like they fill up 130 mil base and these like these legs if you put the skids back on them would have reached to that level so this is definitely 130 mil base which fun fact even makes this too large to be an armature conversion by 30 mil because they're only on 100 mil base yeah because otherwise i'd like this would actually make a really neat war dog conversion if it were on a slightly smaller base yeah, but like if you replaced one of those arms with like a meltagun arm, I would I which you could if you had a mephitic bloat drone because that's one of the arms that's on it. 
this would actually be a really awesome art, like uh, Chaos Knight War Dog conversion. And I think, given without the skids, if you put the like the legs on one side closer to the edge, I think you could fit this on a hundred mil base. Mm-hmm. And because his contact points on here, because it's just the contact points at the tips of those legs. Honestly, Adam, you could probably break this off of the base and put it on 100 mil, and you would have an awesome armature conversion. But if I were running a tournament, I would not approve this as a fetid bloat drone because it is the base is clearly too large. And especially for a melee focused unit, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, this is this would have to be rejected because, like, you can tell, like you said, Kevin, that the bloat drone or blight hauler body on this is too way too weedy for this size of a base, right? And if you compare to the the uh, official models, they are uh, they do fill up the entire space of that base, even though they're floating above it. That you know, it's like they they go from edge to edge. They take up that whole sixty mil. So so. Really neat conversion, not legal for a, a for a bloat drone. I'm sorry, Adam, but a uh, little bit of work and it'd be a really nice war dog for a Chaos Knight army. Uh, and then our second uh, our second letter is from Niels Brondum, who's written to us before. And Neil writes, "Hello, thanks again for a really good good podcast. Well, thank you, Niels." Uh, Last time I wrote, I asked for new army advice. I took your advice and started Custodes. I really like the small elite army. I have bought most of my army used, so I got some questions about it, but I want to get to 2,000 points. What should I buy? When I'm at 2,000 points, what should I replace? Uh, here's the list he has right now. He, uh, it's, it's just a patrol detachment, which with Custodes, you can do that because there's not, like, you can fill up a patrol and have a ton of points already. Uh, he's got a shield captain with uh, Sentinel Blade Storm Shield. Uh, he's running this as the Dread Host Shield Host. Um, he's got a uh, shield captain on a Don Eagle Jet Pike with uh, Hurricane Bolters. And he's taken the All Seeing Annihilator, at, or I guess those are rules are built in 10,000 heroes, etc. I'm, I don't have my, I'll have to break out my Digital Custodes book because I, I gave ours away. So, but I know you and Dennis know Custodes decently well. We've got two units of Custodian Guard. Uh, one unit is two uh, Sword and Shield, two Spear. The other unit is one Sword and Shield and two Spears. Uh, a unit of the Virtus Praetor Jet Bikes. Uh, three with Salvo Launchers, two with Hurricane Bolters. And then a Telamon Heavy Dreadnought uh, with the Arachnus Storm Cannon and Spiculus Bolt Launcher. And uh, Twin Plasma Projector, and then uh, Venerable Land Raider with Heavy Bolters and Last Cannons. And this comes in at 1,700 points, or 1,701, actually. Although, that might be different now because of the change in points. Yeah, there's going to be some points, because uh, the the Praetors, I think, are about 10 points less now per, per model. So you're going to get save right. some points there. And then you're going to save points on the four custodes with guardian spears because you don't have to pay for those i would if i was if i was making this you know expanding this out i would drop the land raider because i don't think it's worth the points and that frees up about 600 points total approximately to add in more uh custodian guardian squads and maybe a unit of wardens 
And I think it's really at that point, it's just kind of filling those out. Maybe throw in another Praetor to get the uh, unit up to six, and then like throw in another, you know, guard squad and maybe wardens uh, or some of the term, you know, Alora's Terminators. Switch this over to a battalion, and then you have more command points to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, I will agree with Kevin on at least dropping the Land Raider. As much as I, I'm thrilled that I actually like Land Raiders now, um, yeah, you probably don't need it here. And I would agree with adding like another guard squad. I might switch, to, like make them not as like mixed. Although I still kind of like the mix. I'm, I've kind of directed mine to now. Here's the spear squad. Here's the sword squad. Just the way they have the wound allocation. Um, and then I would go for the Aloris Terminators over the Wardens. Because that's just personal preference. And I like being able to deep strike them in if need be. Um, so, And if you've got that many points, you have the option if you want to get some other psychic defense on there to go Talents of the Emperor. And add in some yep. Sisters of Silence. But uh, I think adding Wardens and Alaris Terminators would... I mean, you're you're very much foot-slogging, except you can at least teleport with the Terminators somewhat. And you've got some board coverage maneuverability with your, your jet bikes there, too. So you can have the guard kind of hang back and hold things. The Alaris Terminators drop down where you need it, and the jet bikes to zoom where you need it. So I think you've got a good like base there already, and just like you said, just add in some little extra things yeah and i'm still so jealous I'm, of the telemon because that's amazing it is a great <laughs> uh, model <laughs> i'd say i'm putting together the list in their app to since they should have the uh, points values in here. yeah it has the updated points in here which is nice so yeah that that first unit of custodian guards drops from 210 to 194 points nice and then the other one dropped from 154 to 135 Let's see, I need to see the Virtus Praetors. There's five bikes there, and two of them have salvo launchers. Yeah, that unit dropped from 475 to 425. So, yeah, 10 points per. And then I've just got to get the Telemon set up appropriately. Okay, so it did not change in points, and then the Venerable Land Raider didn't change. So, yeah, that list dropped by about... Oh, let's see, it's 1623 now, so it dropped by uh, eight, almost 80 points. So they've he's definitely got more to play with. So dropping the Land Raider gives him another 300, so as Kevin said, you got about 600 there to... Yeah, yeah, 600 points to play with, so... And I mean, you know, you've got, yeah, like, so I would... You have options, you could add in another unit of, of Praetors, you know, or split your jet bikes out from one large unit to two small units, um... You could add in Terminators. You could add in Wardens. I would, I would definitely add in at least one more Guardian squad to get this to a battalion. But I, I, I think in general, I think you're on the right track. Like, you've built this army the way Custodes are supposed to play, which is you know elite guys, uh, elite badasses that kill a lot of things. <laughs> and you've got an entire army that, if I remember it, entire army that is obsec. So yeah, I mean, and and if you want to keep the Land Raider, like you still have. 300 some points so you could still add in terminators or add in another guardian squad and still keep kind of the same theme you're going with the land raider but i would i would suggest probably dropping the land raider and adding more bodies yeah and yeah I, and i liked ennis's uh you know the terminators are like the alaris terminators are really good so yeah so yeah, yeah you've you've definitely got a number of options but 
Yeah, I, I, it sounds. I mean, other than the Land Raider, these are all good choices that are in here. Well, Land Raider's not a bad choice. They're just better options. Well, yeah, it. Yeah, it. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not. A, <laughs> yeah. It's not a bad choice, <laughs> but by context. Well, and and especially in kind of the case of like how this list is built, there's not really any. You know, the Land Raider can hold ten. Actually, do, do custodes take up two spots in a Land Raider? I don't order these. Can they? So, like, I'll you, have to look it up. Yeah, that's a good question. But um, you don't have a unit that like seems like it obviously benefits from being in the Land Raider. So, I, I think you're still foot slogging, and I think really the Land Raider's there for the twin last cannons, um, which are the, good. The like, land, that's not a, the Land Raider know. can hold five Adeptus Custode infantry okay. units. Or models, yeah. So, yeah. so it's already kind of worked in that they can't. They would count yeah. as two normally. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I don't. I don't know. Like, it. Nothing. Not neither of those two units that are there. Like, just jump in. Like, oh, they. Does, you know, they should be in the Land Raider. Especially uh, I think since you have the storm shields. Like, that's. I you think know. it's the shield yeah. captain and the squad of four is meant to be in there. Well, okay. Yeah. Because that that fits in there, and it it, it would make sense. To, to roll the Land Raider forward, because at least Land Raiders can't get immobilized now. So that, right. that's and true. Right, and twin LAS yeah. cannons help pop things open, but truthfully, the, the Telemon will pop things open, too. Yeah. I would... So I guess I, I guess maybe I'd say this, then. If you're going to use... If you're going to keep the Land Raider, and you're going to keep that unit of five in the Land Raider, I would probably drop the Storm Shield Sentinel Blades off the two... At least the two Custodes, and maybe off the Shield Captain, and just go Guardian Spear. Because you're not going to need the storm shields for the survivability to like foot slog across the board, and I think you're going to want to have the extra strength and damage from the guardian spears, and also they're cheaper now. So, yeah. So that's my two, that's my two cents. And then you can have like you move basically swap the two guardian spears from the unit of three into the unit of four. And swap the storm shields out, and then that storm shield, all all storm shield unit, you can use to hold objectives, and they will yeah, just be that's really be hard to shift. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you could even uh, use on golden light to because they they can deep strike pretty much anybody, can't they? Yeah, if you spend the if you spend CP on it, yeah. Right. But that's why Which, I think like adding another doesn't least, punish you know you now for so. Well, and I think definitely adding another guardian uh, guardian squad means that you can take this up to a battalion very easily and you'll get more CP to be able to do that. So, yeah. Cuz we determined like a a squad of custodes is 135 base. Yep. And then so like if you added a, a second or a third squad and then like I would actually look at like and then 85 points for a Vexilla. I I think there there could be value in having one of the Vexilla in here, which, um, uh, like you could put the Veg- Vexilla Magnifica, your opponent must subtract one from hit rolls in the shooting phase for attacks that target. So, like, put them with that, that shield unit. It's like this unit is not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, and, and that would be less, those two together would be less than 300 points and would just, yeah, yes. give you just something that, like you said, kind of hard as nails. So so quick and dirty, like not really making like some of the changes, not tweaking this out. Shield Captain, Shield Captain on Dine Eagle Jet Bike, the two units of custodes he has currently, a third unit of just three Guardian Spears, 
a unit of five uh, Alurus Custodes, which also have the, the benefit that once they deep strike, you can then spend the command points to split them off into five separate units. A Vexillus Praetor, uh, and then I added another Virtus Praetor to the, the bike squad. That is 1,986 points. So you still Ooh. have about 15 points to play with, but like... Misericordia is for everybody. <laughs> right, yeah. And like you can go in and tweak and like add Storm Shields or add, you know, whatever. But like that's quick and dirty 2,000 points with only the changes of dropping, like I said, dropping the, the Land Raider and adding in some more bodies. Yeah. So. Well, and I say Misericordia is for everybody. Misericordia are three points apiece. So Misericordia is for some tiny American flags for others. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my only disappointment is I really like axes on the Terminators, and I know those are more points. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I think I was just yeah, the, throwing them in. Let's with see the for default. the alert. Yeah, they're they're five points a piece on the axes. So so, but like if you dropped the extra, like adding that extra Virtus Praetor, you'd easily have the points to put axes on all the. Yeah, put axes on the Termies, and then uh, again, have, oh, like, interesting, spread Misericordias around. What's interesting. When I select them, uh, by default, it defaults to them having the Castellan Axes, so it defaults to the more expensive option. So the 14 points left over that we have includes giving them the better weapons. Oh, okay. So there we go. All right. That makes me happy. Okay, so yeah. Spread, uh, like, give the two Captains Misericordias. That's another six points. That would get you down to eight remaining after that. I think you just eat the eight points. It's really hard to get eight oh. more points in a... Put Misericordias on two of the Alaris Custodes. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, if they're splitting, if they can split off into separate separate units, might as well. Yeah. So, so yeah, you'd be at 1998. So, I'd say that's pretty solid. Uh, so, hopefully, Niels, this gives you some ideas. You're really close. It's just switching, like, switching a couple of models between units and, uh, you know, maybe you decide to keep the Land Raider. Maybe not. There's definitely options to go either way. Uh, but, yeah, we think you're on the right track for this list and getting it up to 2,000. And if you have a list that you want us to look at or a, a conversion you want us to check, a question for us, rules, or wanting our opinion on something, or just have something interesting to tell us, uh, there's three good ways you can get your letter to us on the air. First is you can email us. Our email addresses are ourfirstnames at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. Second is Facebook. We are at facebook.com slash preferredenemies. You can like us there, follow us, send us messages, and uh, we get those into the list. Third is on Twitter. We are at twitter.com slash preferredenemy, singular. And we take messages from all three of those uh, sources, Cola them together throw them in the hopper and get through as many as we can right now the hopper is empty so if you want to get a letter in now is a perfect time also uh if you want to help support the show uh first of all we ask if you have extra funds at this time uh it is better for you to put those towards charities in your area such as food banks or rent assistance uh uh, anything to help uh, people who are like either l- suffering out of work because they either they've been sick or work is slow or you know for whatever reason there's there's definitely people in your local areas that can use the assistance but after that if you still want to help support the show uh, you can uh, support us on patreon we're at patreon.com slash preferred enemies and it's basically an online tip jar we uh, 
don't put any of our shows behind a paywall. So everything is free for everyone. This is just a way for if you want to help support the show uh, and help us like pay for hosting, pay for replacing microphones if they wear out, uh, which electronics do for some reason. Um, we've had to re- we've had to replace at least one uh, Blue Yeti, <laughs> uh, but. Yep. Uh, <laughs> But uh, that helps, like I said, pay for hosting, allow us to continue to do the show remotely, and eventually when events are uh, able to be run locally again, we'll uh, be able to use – we use those funds also for travel. Uh, and uh, if you, it's, if you can support us and you want to, even if it's just a dollar a month, enough people put in a dollar, it adds up and it really does help out. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for sponsor identification. And when we get back, we're going to take a look back at 2020 and our hopes for 2021. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40k... X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for our main topic, which is our look back at the year that was 2020, in at least from a Warhammer 40k point of view. And uh, look at it. <laughs> yeah, one star would short... not recommend. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be a short segment, honestly, because there wasn't much to report on because so much got you know we had okay January January we had LVO. Yes. And LVO was awesome. And yeah. uh, we had, uh, you know, some last minute uh, revisions to, to rules and such, especially with things like member. Remember when all so many months ago when Venerable Chaplain Dreads were a big concern? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And uh, we had a whole slate of Psychic Awakening books yet to come. We'd had, like, what? We'd had the Inari one and uh, the – we had Space Marines and Chaos Marines – like, Space Marines and Chaos Marines. And those – like, those were out in time for Renegade Open because I remember when we went to Renegade, Dennis, you and I doing our uh, team game using some of that yeah. stuff. Oh, that was mm. fun. But yeah, we we'd started having Psychic Awakening books, and we kind of had an idea that a a new edition might be coming at the end of this because that anytime you did a like a big story build up, that's usually what that meant. Yeah, and we were yep. kind like uh, I think we just saw like I think around the time things start slowing down, Blood Angels. Uh, we see we'd had Blood of Ball. I have to like look back through the list of Psychic Awakening well, like, books. Uh, the Greater Good came out in February or March because that's when we got the new Shadow Sun. Yes, because Saga I, of I, the I, Wolf was out around that time because that's when like the new uh, Ragnar came out. Like that all kind of happened like right towards the beginning of the pandemic, like right in February, March, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I I like I just like I had just picked up the new Shadow Sun model and. Uh, yeah, we yeah we had Ritual of the Damned, which had just come out, and it was like people were like, oh yeah, Grey Knights are actually really decent now, and then Greater Good came out, and then that's when everything kind of came to a halt, <laughs> stopped. Yeah, yeah, and that's when we had Adepticon canceled in March. We canceled Midwest Conquest, um, and there was a period there for a good two to three months where just, you know, yeah, everything the, was just on hold. Yeah, like, the only thing that shipped during that time was, like, that's when they did the made-to-order, like, Sister of Battle and, I think, the the Terminator that was supposed to be, like, the store-opening model. But, like, from, from my budget perspective, it was great because for, like, a solid two months, I didn't buy any Warhammer models. <laughs> <laughs> And, well, and they couldn't fulfill any orders anyway. Like, they yeah. were locked down. They couldn't even use their warehouse. So they, yeah. like, Games Workshop, you know, basically shut down their online store. I mean, like, you could still browse it, but you couldn't buy anything. But I also, I think we would be doing Games Workshop a huge disservice if we did not mention how well they adapted to this. Yes. This entire situation. You know, first off, they had... One of their big reveal events, and, and we hit, this was just coming off the heels of the reveals from uh, LVO, which you got to actually get in which, on, which was fantastic. Yeah, that you snuck in in at the last second before they <laughs> locked the doors. I, yeah, I literally got in as they were locking the door and said, "You can't allow anyone else in." So that was cool. <laughs> but you know, they they didn't have the opportunity to do a big set of releases at Adepticon as they normally would. So they went online. They used their Twitch channel, which they, mm -hmm. you know, they've been, they had been actively using to like show, you know, games and do hobby meetups and things like that. They pivoted very quickly to have people doing this stuff from home. I mean, we had, um, we had Adam Troke and Eddie Eccles doing reveals from home, you know, from their, yeah. like their home offices. And they, uh, they they managed and they did several of them rather than just doing one and calling it good over like the month of May. If I remember right, like April and May had like four or five different release weekend or like preview weekends. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because they were um, starting to preview all the stuff for the new edition and like the the new models that were coming out and like yeah, like I think they've I think they previewed stuff for the, in those that like still haven't come out yet because I think like the um <clears throat> the Death Guard uh, Terminator uh, HQ and like the Palantine were revealed back in March or you know April May whatever like when they were doing this and those still haven't technically been released yet like they they got out in front of a lot of this which was good right and you know the, and I'd also like to give a shout out to the their uh retail organization like the the division of the company that manages their retail stores because while yes stores were locked down for a good month or so and they from what i've i've talked to the the manager of our local gw store those employees got paid full salary the whole time even if they couldn't actually do business that's fantastic they, you know they they have basically supported their workers very you know very well over this entire pandemic and uh not only that but uh, once the stores started opening up again they put in very strict protocols on how they operate i remember the first time i was able to go back into our local gw store here there was basically a small they they carved out with tables a small like foyer area where you could go in and then you would tell the the guy behind the counter what you wanted and he would go get it for you rather than having people mill around and handling all the merchandise and even now they they've opened up like there's more people allowed in the store but it's still relatively a low number it's like i think 6 to 8 people allowed in the store including yep. the employee but like you can walk around the inventory but the entire center section of the store they've used their their tables to like block it off so it's basically just a circular walkway and if you handle anything you don't you're not allowed to put it back on the shelf he's like no you have to put this right here in this spot that i've marked off on the table and i have to sanitize it before i can put it back you know, yep the warhammer settles the same way they say you can look around you can take it off the shelf but if you do put it on this table cuz we're going to disinfect it before it goes back yeah no they've yeah. they've taken this very seriously and they're putting the health and safety of their workers and their customers first and that needs to be celebrated because there's, you know, it's it's definitely makes things a little bit more difficult, but they're they're taking this very seriously, and the, you know, right now they're getting they're they're entering another lockdown, and we don't know exactly what that's going to do to the 2021 release schedule because we already had like a, a whole slate of stuff, and like Death Guard were supposed to be released last month, and they've been pushed off to yeah. this month, and we don't know when this month they'll be able to come out. Yeah, and they actually said uh, we kind of skipped over this in the news that for at least the you know intermediate time they're basically going to two releases a month. So I believe that the weekend that they're scheduled for Death Guard, I believe, is the sixteenth. If or like when it goes up, like for pre order, um, and then there probably won't be another release in January. Like so, you know, and basically instead of it being a, a weekly release cycle, it's going to be twice a month um, until the lockdown ends. Um, right. But I, I think that you're right, though. I think we definitely need to call out that they have done a really good job of handling this and keeping the community engaged um, and up to date on it, you know, while also promoting, like, keeping everything safe and, and you know, allowing people to like, – because they, they released a new edition of this game during a pandemic. Like, that's not a small feat, and I think they did handle it very well. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, well, and obviously that's that's the other, you know, one of the other big events of this year was uh, releasing a new edition would have been a big event in a normal year, much less, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in a, it, trying to pull it off in this environment. And they did. And it's been uh, it's been received, I think, pretty warmly. You know, it's it's a I think ninth edition is is very popular. And, you know, it may be hard to figure out. It's like, well, how can you tell how popular it is? Because, like, it's hard to have events. And we have had a number of events in North America and even here in the Midwest. And they've been uh, actively following, you know, they've been very seriously following uh, pandemic guidelines to try to keep those events safe. And to the best of my knowledge, I have not heard of anyone coming back from those events uh, infected. So I, I, I think... We need to give a shout out, you know, a, a definitely shout outs to the crew that ran Flying Monkey Con, um, to Iron Halo, you know, Iron, Iron Halo, uh, Midmo Maelstrom. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Show Me Showdown was canceled because the, you know, because where they they hold it at a school and the school was just not ready for that kind of liability at this point. So, and that that was in July, yeah. um, which is understandable. Uh, they do have a spot for next year or for this year. I keep saying next year. Time has <laughs> lost meaning, but, uh, yeah. and, uh, yes, we did have to cancel our event. And I think it, we, it turned out, yes, conquest did decide to go fully virtual. So, yes. uh, so we, I think we made the right call. Uh, so I don't, I don't regret that. And, uh, again, we're in talks with, uh, at, you know, finding a group to, uh, be able to handle the event for us in the future. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, yes, uh, they released a new edition and it's, I think it's, it's one of the best they've released. Uh, we granted the amount of time we've gotten to play has been relatively small. Yeah. But I've what, played one what, game so far. <laughs> I've played two against you and <laughs> Dennis. Yeah. Uh, and it's currently too cold to play outside, but maybe this spring and summer, Richard, we can get in some outdoor games. Yes, definitely. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. Or maybe we can all get vaccinated and actually just play games again. That would be great. But yeah, they managed to to release a new edition, and we had uh, the Indominus box set come out, which uh, they were not ready for how big the response to that was going to be. I mean, well, everyone was at home and they had nothing better to do than paint, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is true. Yeah. I didn't paint, but yeah, um, I will say this, like. It's not as great a deal as like Black Reach was, um, as far as like just nothing pure, will like, ever be that good, sure <laughs> that good. A yeah, deal. but from like if you look at the models that are in that are in the set and like what it includes, this is the best box set they've ever released. Like, th- and the Adominus Start box is fantastic. Like, I every model in it is amazing. Like, I I, I can't say enough good things about it. Like, they are all amazing. <laughs> Yeah, no the the models in there are fantastic. The and, and you know it was a very different product than we've seen with past launch sets because usually they've been aimed more as a starter box type product. Like Dark Imperium was definitely uh, a starter box product, mm-hmm. and uh, Dark Vengeance before it. And again, you know we get back to to Blackreach, but this one was definitely more of a a collector's or long-term players set. And, and yet even with that announcement, 
they couldn't keep it in stock. It sold out in minutes. Yeah. And and people were very frustrated because they had very clearly said, hey, everybody who wants one is going to be able to get one. And they did not take uh, take into <laughs> account scalpers. I don't <laughs> no, they – yeah. <laughs> Demand was a lot higher than they expected. Um, yeah. which is which is a sign you know a, a solid sign for the hobby but yeah it was a little frustrating to be it was hard to get one but they have until, until they turned it around right they turned it around by announcing that they were going to print it to order for a limited time so that everybody who wanted one could get one and suddenly all those scammers who were sitting on overinflated priced product didn't have a market anymore and so uh, and that's the way a company should handle that honestly is right you know if if somebody's going to if your product's going to sell out faster than you expected and you know honestly i'm not surprised because i imagine their production time was somewhat limited although i also imagine the production on indominus was probably complete well before the the pandemic really hit in earnest because you know the lead yeah. time on on that kind of thing has got to be a good year or more. But, uh, but yeah, they, again, GW, the GW of today, and I know we've mentioned this in the past, but on a year in review episode, it's always good to mention it is this company is very different than when we started recording 10 years ago. When we started recording 10 years ago, GW was a completely different beast and had a very antagonistic relationship with its customer base. Well, in 10 years ago, we all had to use, like, you know, cans with the, with string attached on it to be able to hear each other and stuff, too, so. And, and we got, like, one codex a year and <laughs> oh, used models God. that were 10 years old. I'm looking at you, Dark Eldar. Actually, I'm still looking <laughs> at you, Dark Eldar, but. <laughs> yeah, but, again, 10, 10 years ago, the, the model, as we mentioned, models, the models of 10 years ago now are way better than the models of 10 years ago then. You yeah. mean 20 years ago? <laughs> well, 20 years ago now. I'm talking relative time, man. Well, I'm adding the 10 years ago now to the 10 years ago from then, and 10 and 10 is 20. I'm doing math. Uh, math is good. <laughs> math is hard. Well, no, some of the time models in illusion were even older than that. <laughs> Lunchtime definitely. That is so. true. That is, that is very true. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, the, but the company and the way it's, it's dealt with its customers, it, is so very different. And I, I think that if the GW of 2011 had tried to weather the pandemic of 2020, I don't think they would have made it. I think, I think they would have just, they would have lost so much market share because people would just just given up. (laughs) Instead, we had a, a vibrant company that is, Openly, you know, freely communicating with its its customer base, loves getting them interested and engaged, made, you know, made sure to reach out and have like, hey, we can't even sell you anything, but hey, you can, we know you're all stuck at home. Let's have hobby hangouts. Let's let's interact with community. Let's be a community together. And then when products started coming out, let's make sure everybody who wants this can get it. Let's give plenty of lead time. Let's uh, Let's make sure this is printed to order. And then since then... Not only have they released what is possibly the the best edition of the game that they've had, 
they've continued to refine and improve it as these events are going on in places in the world where it is safe to hold events. We're getting a lot of feedback from events now in like Australia and New Zealand because those areas have actually pretty much got their uh, the pandemic under control. Uh, and so uh, and we're seeing like events from China, like there's a, a I think a Shanghai open recently that I saw come across on uh, the tournament organizer Facebook nice. account. So it's like, yeah, it's like parts of the world where it's safe to have games. They're having games. And so we're getting we're getting this tournament feedback and they have been faqing and that's like the points values we changes that we talked about is based on the feedback that they've been getting from those events so we've got an entire you know we we've got a company that is actively engaged in making this the best edition of the game yet and making sure that the game is healthy and fun to play and that you don't get feel bads like if you go second or if you're playing a particular army that isn't tau or that uh <laughs> Hey, I'm I'm just being honest. Uh, but uh, they'll, they'll they'll figure it out someday, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. And then delivering something, you know, a couple of things that we've wanted: digital versions of the rules, having access to the digital versions of the rules if you buy a codex, yes. and uh, an army builder, a decent army builder. They finally delivered on that promise. I mean, and this one point is kind of 2021, but I'll lump it into 2020 is um, Richard and I were both complaining about like having to look at multiple places for points or multiple places for rules, having the, the app with the digital thing and the army builder all kind of in one, all your updates can be there. And then you don't have to have all of the stuff carrying mm-hmm. around. So, so that I think is a big win. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge win. Uh, and it's something we've been asking for for several years, ever since they started releasing like the uh, I like the digital codexes via like the uh, Apple Bookstore and via like you know Moby you know Moby format and, and like that. So it's like we're finally getting what we've been wanting, and we weren't even expecting that they would actually deliver it, and they have. And it it took them a little bit longer to get it to where they wanted it to be and where the fan base wanted it to be. Uh, and they they took some criticism and rightly so for releasing what was originally a kind of buggy, not great product. But they also made sure to like until they got it where they wanted, they didn't charge people for the subscription to access everything. And uh, like the the are the Battle Forge, the army builder is still like they've extended the free beta on it. So they want people using it. They want people, you know, and they realize like it wasn't where we wanted it. So we're not going to charge everybody for it quite yet. Yeah. Um, we had, uh, space Marines and the various founding chapters completely redone this year that hadn't been redone in, uh, past, uh, codex supplements, but like we had I, Blood Angels, Space Wolves, we're waiting for Dark Angels, but Death Watch, all of those have been redone into a very different Kevin. style of play. <laughs> I blame yeah. Kevin. Kevin, yep. you got what you always wanted. How's it how's it feel? Uh when I get to play Death Death Watch, it'll be awesome. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm on the, f- the other side. Thanks. I hate it, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is why they shouldn't listen to me. 
<laughs> no, I, I think this is in the end a good change. It just for at least for Space Wolves, it feels very weird. And the fact needing two books, especially when all the Space Wolf stuff that you want to play is normally in the supplement anyway. So it just yeah, it yeah you, you're in kind of an odd I, odd spot. I, I like it though because I do think that you know as as we've mentioned in the past when I've suggested it it makes it easier going forward. Like I think it'll, I think this is the most difficult it'll be now. And then going forward when they make further updates, they'll just be, you know, you only will have to buy one book and look in one place for the changes. And then they can update the core space Marine book and they can update the supplements on different cycles and make changes. And you don't have the weird thing of we've decided that all Marines now have two wounds, but your book doesn't have it yet. So suck on it. You know, it's like it it allows, I think it's a better from a a game design standpoint, even though, yeah, it is. There's definitely learning pains. Uh, Let's see. And then uh, we also saw a change. Like, obviously there was the normal, like, there's the learn to play uh, products that we saw, like the the actual starter products that we saw, similar to what we had with Dark Imperium in Eighth Edition, where mm. like smaller versions of the box set, which you know you've done the math on, Kevin, and they're actually really good deals for getting started. But we also saw the the kind of the retirement of the start collecting boxes and the birth of combat patrol boxes this year. And uh, yeah. you know, kind of a new way to get people into the game. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Like I, I kind of sit on the fence on this a little bit because the the products are a little bit more expensive, but I do think they retain the same value. You know, you're getting more models, and you're getting um, you know uh, bigger models like transports or dreadnoughts in addition to the other things that you would get in your your start collecting box. So. While I'm not 100% sure about the initial price points on these and like that, I, that eventually those may get too high, I do think they provide good value to bring people into the game. But it's just one of those where like before you buy a $140 box set, you probably need to listen to a podcast or read an article and figure out if this is exactly what you want because I would really hate for f- the feel bads that come along with a brand new player buying, uh, you know, the new Space Wolf set, for example, and then realizing that, no, I don't want to actually use any of these models. I really want to have Thunderwolf Cav. Like, at $80, 80 to $90, like, that's not great, but, like, you can kind of be like, well, I can figure something to do with this at $150. You buy that and you realize there's only a few models that you really want to use. That's a thing that makes you quit the game. Yeah. Potentially. But, you know, at least, again, these are being featured in the codex so people can look at it and figure out, okay, is this how I want to build? Yes. So this is, this is where I would, I would definitely recommend to people buy the codex first and then look at the combat patrol that's featured and see if that's how you want to build the, your army. But it is definitely nice to have, you know, an off-the-shelf, pre-built combat, like 500.25 PL, roughly... Mm-hmm. army ready to go and i think having that as an option is better than what we've had in the past where we've had start collecting boxes that are very disjointed don't seem to have a cohesive feel don't have a particular strategy in mind and in some cases like the orc one not e- or the uh astro militarum one like not even technically a legal army so yeah. no i i do uh, agree it's it's better but the price points where i have slight concerns but 
no, and and that's that's totally fair. We also got some fantastic new models. You know, we talked about Indominus, but we got like new Necron warriors, new Necron character models. Obviously, the Silent King and the Void Dragon. I mean, uh, contenders for best model of the year. Um, we got a lot of new uh, Primaris Marines to kind of fill out the rest of that army. So, and new tanks, new, uh, like the, the, we got the gladiator. There's a land speeder. I still don't think the land speeder is out. They don't, they haven't released Uh, everything. No, the land speeder, I think is supposed to be released with the dark angels and Mm -hmm. the heavy intercessors and like the captain that goes with them have not been released yet either. Right. So we're still waiting on a few things, but you know, they've obviously previewed and or given us rules for a lot of stuff. Uh And so those lines got a lot, uh, a lot of love. And that's pretty much been it as far as, like, new armies. A Death Guard is getting some new models. And, in fact, as we are speaking, the Sunday preview went up. And next weekend is Death Guard going up for preview. Pre-order. Yay! So we're getting Death Guard, Codexes, cards. And their Combat Patrol I find very interesting. The Combat Patrol is Typhus. And... A unit of seven uh, Plague Marines um, looks like, and I can't remember which character this is. A, uh, but it's the uh, it's the one that improves your grenades. He's got all like the jars hanging off of racks on his back. Right, uh, right. Yeah, and I then, know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then twenty uh, twenty poxwalkers. No, thirty poxwalkers. Sorry. <laughs> Because the whole thing is 39 mo- models. Typhus, the uh, the Elite, and the seven uh, Plague Marines are nine. And then, yeah, 30 Pox Walkers. So you just get a, a horde of zombies. Uh, and that's their combat patrol. Huh. Uh, we're getting the Lord of Virulence, which is that new uh, Plague Spewer uh, HQ in Terminator armor. Uh, we've got, they're releasing the, uh, the miasmic malignifier, which is the, uh, like the little stove chimney thing that they were like new fortification they were teasing. Uh, let's see the, uh, three of the characters from, uh, the old, uh, dark Imperium box have been re-released as a three character set. So like oh, the good. bell, <laughs> the guy with the bell, the, the plague caster, and the uh, like, one of the Death Guard like the Plague Sergeant, Champs, yeah. yeah, released separately. And then Poxwalkers are being released in boxes of ten standalone now. Good, good, good. So yeah, the uh, Biologus uh, Putrefier is the one. That's with the, the one. Okay, yeah. yeah. So he, so it's him, Typhus, Plague Marines, and then a mess of Poxwalkers. I mean, I like it. That's a very solid start for a Death Guard army. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, for a combat patrol level game, that's that's great. So yeah, uh, I think I think that's that definitely fits a game style, and it's it's going to be a good add on. We'll just have to see how Poxwalker rules look. When and I imagine this week yep. we'll start seeing more of those rules releases since the book's going up for pre order next weekend. So so yeah, uh, twenty twenty one is already off to you know the the delay on Death Guard is over, and the fact that they're uh, you know they're things are on lockdown is not stopping them from moving forward also getting uh an alfarius book from black library yeah i saw that because there's some yeah there's some stuff there's uh the new they released the date of the next ravener book 
there's a, a an Al, uh, an Alfarius book, and then there was, gosh, what was the other one? There was another one that looked that was looked pretty neat that they were releasing as well. There's um, the yes, the Titan Legions, the Mortis. Yeah, that that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. So like they, they, yeah, so like really cool stuff coming up from uh, from Black Library as well. So they and the other actually the other thing that we kind of didn't mention because it's hasn't really come to fruition yet, but um, at LVO they mentioned that they're doing you know they showed previews of the Warhammer like animation stuff. And then when they did the, you know, the ninth edition release trailer, we got like a full animatic, you know, the whole yeah. like, you know, animated scene of a sister of battle fighting a Scorpec Lord and, you know, and then Space Marines show up. And uh, I'm really, really excited for that stuff to come out, start coming out in 2021 because we've seen a lot of previews. It's all animation so they can work on it remotely. Like they don't have to be in the office to do it. And I, I that is... That to me seems like that's the next big jump in like Warhammer, you know, quote unquote, going mainstream or like improving its appeal is getting that more of that type of stuff out. Mm-hmm. Well, and with like tabletop gaming having become far more popular in the last few years, uh, I've mm-hmm. started seeing like mainstream gaming sites like Kotaku and Polygon and such, you know, sites that people normally go to for like video game news have started covering tabletop games to an extent. And like the ninth edition release was, was praised as like a really great way to get into the game. And, and I think that along with some of the 40 K computer gaming, cause like we've like vermin, like on the, the fantasy side, like Vermintide was really popular. The, uh, Total War Warhammer was really popular, and obviously uh, we've got the oh god! With I mean, we had Space Marine in the past and Deathwing, and they were okay-ish. But uh, there's a new one coming out. Yeah, it's a it's the Inquisitor Dark Tide. Dark Tide. Yeah, well, yeah. there's there's yeah. Inquisitor or- Martyr, which they've been. Like there's been there's the yeah there's the Inquisition game, but yeah Dark Tide is coming out, which is basically Vermintide in 40k, and the stuff yeah. they've been teasing for that looks fantastic. So you've got that, you've got animations, and it's gonna. I'm curious to see what services they're gonna be farming those out to, because like if Amazon or Netflix distributes that for them, Ooh, that could yeah. be huge <laughs> for the fan. I mean, 40k yeah. could get gigantic and we've got marvel com you know they this year we saw marvel comics releasing 40k comics written by 40k authors and the stories so far for like marnius calgar has been really interesting so you know we are we are reaching the point where 40k is really starting to break into the mainstream and yeah I'm, i'm with you i think the i think the animation has the potential to knock it wide open And I'm just excited to see these kinds of stories being told in a different format. I mean, we've had Black Library for, you know, years and years, and they've done some comics and they've done like there's people that have come to the game from like playing the Dawn of War games. There's people who have come to the game from reading Black Library novels. And now you'll have people coming to the game from seeing these animations and and finding out these stories. And so, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm very excited for that. And yeah, that's, you know, hopefully that is coming in 2021. Uh, 2021, as we said, is going to bring, it's going to bring us Death Guard in just a, a week or two. Uh, we've got Drukari and Dark Angels. Apparently, if your army starts with D, you're queued up right now. Um, 
Death Watch was already taken care of, so uh, is there anybody else that starts with D? Daster Militarum, maybe? Or I'm waiting for Dao Empire. <laughs> we need it. We need a Dao Empire. But what, a, but, what about what about D's? <laughs> D's nuts. Yeah, D's nuts. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Predictable, uh, yet still amusing. Yeah. Sensible yeah. chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, okay, so what do we want out of 2021? What would we like to see for 2021? Besides the obvious uh, pandemic going away. <laughs> well, my, I'm going to say that, but I'm going to say going to a tournament and actually playing like a Saturday or a Saturday and Sunday of games. Yeah. I miss that. I do too. I miss that a yeah. lot. I miss, I miss even just picking up a random pickup game in a store would be nice right now. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's uh, especially right now with cases basically skyrocketing here in the States. I just, I don't see that as being the greatest idea. And a lot of, there's been some stores that have opened up their game rooms. Others have not. Um, right now I'm kind of hedging my bets. As, uh, right. But uh no, but that's number one on my wish list. Number two-ish would be continued success for the app, because this is, like what you said, one thing we've been asking for for a while, and I want to see it succeed. Um, and then number three is the thing I, I, I won't happen, is a slowdown in the release schedule, because <laughs> December hit me hard with two books back-to-back, and so I, I really need a, a, a break. Well, you're getting the slowdown, but I have a feeling that once the slowdown <laughs> ends, it's going to ramp right back up, and we'll be getting, uh, you know, a, a release a week like we were in June and July to try to catch up for the new edition. Okay, I'll just hope it's not for factions I play. Then, how's that sound? That's fair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm hoping to to cons- that they continue with the uh, you know collecting feedback and uh, continuing to to tweak and adjust the balance of the game. I'm curious to see what like the grand tournament pack for 2021 is going to be. I'm curious, like, are they going yep. to change up the missions entirely or just tweak them and revise them a bit or cause I, and I think it'd be, it'd be kind of neat for them to rotate some missions out and rotate new ones in just because that's, that's something that helps keep tournament play and just match play in general from getting a bit too staid and predictable mm-hmm. is if forcing people to change up how they play the game without necessarily having to upend everything. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Also, uh, something something we didn't mention for 2020, but I think is an important spot, is that I want to see more Crusade play. I think the fact that they've leaned hard into narrative play being a viable pathway for the game is great and i hope they i hope to see more of that this year yeah Yeah. i mean just having codexes acknowledge that and having specific rules in the printed in the codex makes a big difference for that oh yeah absolutely it doesn't just feel like a oh and you can do this if you want we'll put it in a separate book that no one will buy right or oh and that's something else i didn't even mention we've got a whole whole new uh, campaign set or not you know like a series of campaign books coming with death guard and drukari being a couple of the featured armies so yeah you know, we're gonna definitely see more narrative stuff where we had uh beyond the veil for crusade last year we're getting uh there's another one like that is death guard based coming yeah. soon uh, yeah wars Warzone uh karachan is that what it was something yeah i believe yeah. so yeah 
So yeah, like no, I I definitely hope that they continue to release more of that stuff because I think that there are more ways to play is a good thing. You know, that that's to me that's kind of the the one of the things that I really loved about this new edition is the fact that you can play it at 500 points, 1500 points or 2000 points and it still feels like it works because smaller point games in like 8th edition, 5th edition so like that would break down. Um and you just it didn't feel the same and that, this developing like the unique missions for each point level and the table size scaling makes the game feel the same and feel like it's still playable at all point levels. Agreed. Uh, Plague Purge. That's the, the new Crusade book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, and then the chart on Warzone. Yeah. Yeah. Warzone chart on. Yep. So yeah, I'm excited to see what happens with those. And, uh, and again, yeah, just the fact that narrative play is, is being accepted as a thing and not just a, yeah, we mentioned it in the core book and nobody, we don't expect anybody to do anything with it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. I'm hoping that uh, we continue to see lines that have been either neglected or just gotten out of date. Like I'm hoping that whenever Craft World Eldar get updated, that maybe we start seeing like redone that line redone because that that is an old old line that that is in it, desperate need of of reimagining. It, I I think I might be wrong, but I think it's the oldest line that's still active out there. Yeah, and it's it's one of the few lines where there are key parts of the army, not just individual characters, but entire units that are not available in plastic. Yeah. So uh it they are long overdue for an update. I would love to see that later this year. Um and mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a, a a reasonable hope that we could get that. I mean, this last year they redid, was it last, God, again, time has lost meaning. Was it last year that they redid High Elves? I think it was last year for fantasy. No yeah, clue. it was, well, so the it was, yeah, with the, yeah, oh, yeah the, it was the, last, the, last summer, the cows. With the cows? Yeah, the they, cows were last summer. Yeah. And I, I believe that they fully launched, like, the the model range in, like, September or something. Like, it was, yeah. they did the launch set in the summer and then they, they did the full range a little bit later. So, yeah, I mean, I I would expect they'll continue to do more of that stuff because there are there are model sets that need to be updated and they can kind of do that in splash releases with these books and with codexes and, you know, release more box sets and sell sell things that way. So, so all right. So, I mean, does anybody else have any any real wishes for 2021? I, I would like to see a new Tyranid model because it's been <laughs> quite a long time since Tyranids have gotten anything new. Uh, maybe they could visit the Tyranids v Eldar on the Craft World and, and like, because that's a main story of one of the Eldar heroes. Yep. Yeah. Spirit Twilight, anyone? <laughs> Doom of Malantai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely are. They are also overdue for some love. I'm just curious to see. Uh, yeah, that's another one. Like, will we see. You know what? Like we don't know what new codexes we'll see this year, and with a slowed down release schedule, possibly we may actually not get everybody updated by the end of the year. But to hopefully, the armies that will really need it, like Tau, and I imagine Nids could probably use some help. Yeah, uh, um, we need to get Grey Knights updated to be competitive with all the like. Obviously, they all need to be updated to like two wounds and such. So uh, yeah, we're we've. Yeah, those all, all would be good to have. 
but yeah, I think that pretty much, you know, being able to being able to get together and play again, ninth edition yeah. continuing to go along the path that it's going, uh, keeping the the digital app updated, keeping the game balanced, getting some of those long neglected lines, finally getting to see some of this animation. I mean, there's the potential for 2021 to really make up for 2020, and I think even with that, GW did a really good job at 2020, given what they were up against. So. Yeah, I as bad a year as it could have been for 40k, I think they managed to solve it in or like to salvage it. They man I think they managed to salvage it into a pretty decent year all things considered. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would agree. agree. All right. Uh so um that takes us to a little bit of hobby progress real quick. I didn't do anything over the last three weeks, uh, except for one thing. One thing. I did do one thing. I bought one of the new uh, painting handles. Uh Nice. I do not like it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there's a couple of things about it. Um, The the new – like – it it is if you have smaller hands, I think it is probably an easier hold because the big one – the old ones are are pretty chunky. I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, it is taller, and the stem is thinner, and then it goes to a bulb at the end. And I, I don't know how that weight distribution is going to feel for everybody. I don't like how it feels in my hand. I prefer the the thicker, chunkier ones. Also, something about this one is the old ones. You could actually unscrew the paint handle from the the spring clip that holds the model in place, and then mount that spring clip on something else because it used basically a stand the standard screw size that like uh, tripods use. Mm-hmm. And the new one does not. You cannot screw off. It it is, you know, basically part of the handle entirely. Uh, that's disappointing. Uh, also, the fact I don't think this design would work for the extra wide handles that they have, because I think the weight distribution would be completely off. And I yeah, like I know that I have often when I'm when I put a model on one of my painting handles, it'll stay on there for a long time if I'm doing a lot of detail work on it. And so it like, I'll set it aside and like, I'd just be concerned with the taller painting handle, like just sitting there that it would get knocked over a lot easier because it is taller. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's noticeably taller and, and yeah, and I don't know how good the balance is on it. And it's, I don't exactly, I guess I should test it with some models I don't care about just to see like how easy it is to knock over compared to the older right. one. But I mean, it's, it's not terrible. It's still a very usable product. I just don't, I just think the older design, the original design was better. That's, that's my, my take on it. But I want, I figured I would buy at least one and give it a fair shake. And, yeah. uh, and I, I'll, I'll, I've got a sister's model in there right now and I'll take it through its paces and I'll, I'll paint the entire model while using that. And I'll give, a full uh, re- recap when I'm done with it, but for right, like my initial impressions are not positive. I'll just say that. That's disappointing. But like I said, I I, I really like the other paint handle, so I'll keen, I'll continue to use it. Um, I didn't really do much. I've been working on rebasing some of my uh, Necron models. Um, 
which has been an ongoing project for you know a couple of years of like salvaging the uh, the ones I got from from one of our old friends. Um, so yeah, I've been rebasing those and like trying to figure out kind of what I want to do as far as paint scheme, but really just kind of more theory hammer than anything at this point. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, I don't want to say I've done nothing, but I'm I'm still more kind of focused on the Warhammer Underworlds, getting another warband there painted. I got the Dire Chasm box set over the holidays, so I've got now two new warbands to maybe prime and paint, except it needs to get a lot warmer here, because we actually have snow in Dallas today. It's kind of neat. Um, but yes, it's too cold to prime, so that'll be a future thing for me to do. And the other weird thing is, is my cat has taken a liking to moving the water um the citadel water jug not jug but cup that's the word and it's weird i walk into the paint desk and every time it seems to be in a different place and last night i even found a miniature in it (laughs) so yeah i mean i kind of wish yeah or or they pick them up and put them in a cup I, I i i'm still flabbergasted by that but yeah i have to figure out my my painting situation but yeah i, I that's where i'm at right now <laughs> and for me i went ahead and i finally got the mecha dread that i ordered uh assembled up to you know where i want it to to, to prime it and then i'll finish putting the arms on and then, like I said, I, I, I bought, um, the, the, the new orc model. That's pretty much it. I've, all I've done. Hey, that's more than I've done. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, as far as a morale phase, I did, uh, I just, uh, you know, a couple of things from the, the past year that we've talked about. Cobra Kai season three hit. They actually moved it up a week. It was originally supposed to come out this weekend and they decided that they would release it at new year's. So that that's been a nice treat to have. Is there anything else from like last year that we've, that we've talked about? We've talked about a lot of stuff last year. <sighs> yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, new season of the expanse is out right now. So check, continue to check that out. They're releasing it weekly. Um, it continues to be a great show. Um, yeah, I actually got getting, I actually got the rest of the novels for Christmas. So I've got like books, five through eight now or whatever. So yeah, I'm going to finish reading, reading the series as well. Yeah. I finished book seven, uh, a, a week or two ago. And I, my copy of eight just arrived a couple of days ago. I'm right now I'm reading one of the, uh, the, one of the novellas that, uh, black library released, uh, late last year, uh, the Rose and anger, which is about, uh, order of the bloody rose sisters. Nice. So that, so I'm, I'm finishing that up. It's it it's I should be done with it soon, and then I'll start on book eight of the Expanse, and then book nine is supposed to hit later this year, and uh, that'll have been a cool ride once it's done. I'm sure. Yeah. Um. I I've been spending uh a, a decent amount of time playing a a game that came out this year called Hades. Ah, Hades is so good. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's available on PC and, and on Switch. And it, I'm not usually one for like, like I'll enjoy roguelite games to a certain extent. I don't always feel like I get like the best 
like value out of it for like I'll like play them for a little bit and then I'll kind of get to like a wall where I'll feel like I can't really get any better at the game or progress anymore. But this game actually, while using that roguelite like format of gameplay, still gives me like a good strong feeling of progression, and I can nice get further in the game, and and there's more, and, and it also has a, a great story. And oh yeah, like the the art is amazing for it, and the voice acting and and the like the level designs neat it it's just it's really great yeah uh, well and Hades was done by the uh, by Supergiant Games that also did Bastion Transistor Pyre all are yeah. considered excellent games and there's running yes. for an indie studio they're they're fan- fantastic and yeah the yeah the art level in this game the and how they've done this procedurally generated level design yeah, I I am also not normally a big one for roguelikes, and yeah, I, I have enjoyed this, and it's one of those games where you just like you're like, oh, I'm so close, I can just push through a little bit more, find another power up <laughs> or another change that'll just get me a little bit closer. Right. Yeah. No, it's Hades has been phenomenal. I totally totally with you right there. Well, and then I like the fact that they're. The game studio, since it is kind of a smaller game studio, specifically does things where, like, they don't crunch their developers and they they take as long as the game needs to be developed to make a great game. And, like, uh, in light of other companies that have not gone that way, I think that is worth calling out. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you just end up with a better product at the end because you have creators who aren't burned out, that they're actually yeah, have the right. ability to be creative and pour that energy into the game. And yeah, Supergiant Games, from what I understand, had like, not only did they have no crunch, they actually had like dedicated anti-crunch. Like, no, you take some vacation time off to make sure you stay refreshed. Like, they yeah. make sure that they're they are not driving their their creators away that they're not driving their developers away or wearing them out so yeah right. it's- and, and the game and the game definitely does not suffer for any amount of content because no. there is like i'm sure that there is like story and and voice lines and stuff that i have not heard because apparently there is like like thousands of of voice lines in this game God, I yeah, saw no, somebody insane. did a somebody did a count. They did say that there's over. Let's see, at the AMA they did a while ago. They seem to recall there were like let's see, looking at the files, there's a six hundred sixty nine thousand seven hundred forty one kilobyte file of audio called VO, which is voice <laughs> voiceover. <laughs> so there's there's like three quarters or like two thirds of a gig of voice. <laughs> Bonus stats, average lines per character, 629. <laughs> the main character, and these are characters that aren't, like, constantly talking during the game, but they do talk. Uh, Zagreus, the, the playable character, has over 8,000 uli- unique lines of dialogue. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whereas the the fewest is Charon, who speaks entirely in... <laughs> but he still has 101 unique variations on that theme. <laughs> yeah. 
So to compare that to their past games, Transistor had 2,600 lines of dialogue, which is 13% of what Hades has. And Pyre had 12,000 lines, which is two-thirds of what Hades had. So yeah, Hades has over 20,000 unique lines of dialogue. And yeah, there are people who've been playing for months who are still finding new lines. So yeah. crazy. How about you, Dennis? Anything uh, interesting that you've been enjoying? Uh, I mean, my big kick out of... 40 and not doing the 40k or underworld stuff has been like you said video games and i've still enjoyed genshin impact i've still enjoyed final fantasy 14 and i those are the big two that have stuck with me i did enjoy hades i've played it but i haven't kept up on it and i think like you said it's, it's more the roguelike type thing but i did enjoy what i played and i appreciate everything that they did on that one but yeah yeah it's not been a terrible year for games uh, you know, for video games, it's not been a terrible year for streaming media. And in fact, you know, with everybody, oh, that's another thing. Soul, the new movie from Pixar, oh, is yeah. very good. Is very good. And I would argue, even though it's a movie that kids can watch, like we watched it all together on Christmas when it when it became available. It's not a movie that's aimed at kids. I think it's definitely aimed for those at those of us in in middle life. <laughs> or trying to figure out what to do with ourselves sometimes. <laughs> but it's it's very good. It's a wonderful movie and I uh the trailers do not give away the twists. I like the trailers yeah. cover at most like the first yeah. third of the film. So uh, you can you can go in you can like know what you know and then just go into it and be continue to be surprised. It, it's very good. Very very good. Highly recommended. I I actually enjoyed Wonder Woman. I thought it was. Oh, yeah, I thought Wonder it was Woman pretty 84. good. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I, I enjoyed it it's as gotten, well. It's a. It's gotten a lot of backlash online, which I don't really understand. I thought it was a, a perfectly fun, you know, action comic book movie. Yeah, it's a it's a fun kind of goofy. You know, it, it's Wonder Woman. Like you can't do like the grim, gritty, dark, serious story with it. Like that's just it's incongruent. Like. It's fun, it's shiny, it's bright, it uses the 1984 setting pretty well, like, it's got humor in it, it's got some good action, it's fine, like, it was a good movie, I enjoyed it. Yep. I haven't seen it, but I'm not a huge DC fan, I still need to to watch all of the original Wonder Woman, I've seen bits and pieces of it, mm-hmm. but I, I'm also very excited for Patty Jenkins doing the Rogue Squadron film for Star Wars, so. Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think Wonder Woman 1984 is as good as the first Wonder Woman, but it's it's still yeah. good. It's still fun. And yeah, I mean, that's a whole bunch of different entertainment that we've looked at over the last few weeks and, you know, just, you know, trying to, to get through the last bit of 2020 and into the beginning part of the last bit of 2020 that January has been. <laughs> so... But yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, we won't have Death Guard, I don't think, yet. We might. Death Guard will be... Actually, if we record in two weeks, Death Guard will just be hitting... Let's see if it goes up for pre-order. We might actually have Death Guard in hand by then, so maybe next episode could be a Death Guard episode. Yay! <laughs> Zombies for everyone! Woohoo! <laughs> but until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin, Dennis, and Richard. Good night, good gaming, and stay healthy and safe, everybody.
Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2 No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.